Welcome to Immersed in Theology. This is the podcast where graduate students talk theology, church, and life. Please enjoy the conversation. My name is Nate, and I'm joined by my fellow Immersed students, Ben and Luke. Guys, how's it going? Hey, it's going good. Thanks for having us, Nate. Yeah, so great to be here, Nate. Cool. Well, thanks for coming over. Uh, We're talking about Christian counseling, going through competent Christian counseling, uh, talking through a few questions on that. What do we do as pastors? Uh, How do we address Christian counseling and some of the issues that come up in that? So let's just get into it. Sound good? Yeah, that sounds great. All right. So first thing that comes up in this, one of the questions we wanted to address, think about, uh, is just discussing the difference between Christian counseling and secular counseling. Uh, How do the two differ? Uh, Is there a benefit to one over the other? Obviously, we probably think that there is. Uh, But what are the benefits to each one? Uh, And can secular counseling ultimately be effective? Uh, If we're coming at this from a Christian perspective and saying that there's certain things there, uh, what do we do with secular counseling? So... What do you guys think? What's the difference? What are the benefits? Um, yeah, I think that, I mean, the, I think the core difference between uh, secular counseling and Christian counseling would really be, uh, it comes to like the core of what they believe and, and where they're trying to move a person to, the standard that they're moving a person towards. So I think the more common principle inside of a secular counseling community would be that um, the best answers are often within yourself. Right. Whereas a Christian counselor would push back against that or should push back against that and say that it's not about your standard, but it's actually we have a written standard, um, a biblical standard for this is the best way to live your life. These are the best, um, these are the things that are wrong with you. Right. Um, so they can actually address and, and then fix them and move them towards something. So I'd say there's a consistency inside Christian counseling for where we're moving people to. Yeah. And there would be an inconsistency inside of secular counseling that's, yeah, we don't really, the direction can be different. I would say it's generally the same, but the scope is a lot broader. Right. Cause there's no guiding principle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's true though? Like you think there's actually no guiding principle then? Like if you think of most, think of our culture, I guess in general, What's, what is the guiding principle? Yeah, and I, I think the problem is if you don't have the, the, the biblical text or the example of Christ to go up against and measure up against and, and have a, a set goal of what we're working towards as individuals to be redeemed people of the image of God, mm. um, you know, the fear is maybe with, with, with all different cultures, and especially, you know, we're in one culture and you're a counselor coming out of one cultural view and ideal and idea you you know you're gonna just have that influence everyone that you counsel you know what i'm saying and and right. people that are coming into you your your clients are gonna have a different ideal mm-hmm. and that's relative between the two of you mm-hmm. um if you don't have the standard of yeah. christ right yeah i would say that's the big like because i think that like not to bag on um like non-Christian counseling or just general counseling, but like, uh, there, it's just a broader spectrum. There's Mm -hmm. not a specific model to model our lives after. Yeah. So I think there's like, you know, it could be anywhere from 50 to a hundred different examples or more of people like ideals that people might have that they're getting from 
their family or their cultural background or their, you know, uh, celebrities and idols that they may have in their lives of what the ideal is. Um, and that's where they, the the client will want to move towards. And I would say the counselor is able to identify areas that are more profitable than others, but it's still just a wide spectrum. Right. Yeah. That's an interesting idea. Like, uh, it it makes me think of like, so what is health? Mm Mm-hmm. Like it comes down to the question totally. of that, I think it's like, what does health actually look like? Right. And then what is your metric for establishing that? So right. as a uh, secular counselor and things like that, there's going to be a certain standard because there still has to be one. Like you can't do counseling without a standard of some kind that you're going to be working towards. And so I think for within secular counseling, it's like statistical in yeah, a lot of ways. Right. Maybe, right. It's like, yeah. well, statistically, this is what's best. Yes. Right. Um, or from a secular humanist perspective of, you know, humans are the ultimate good and whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's all about, it's all about you, but then you also have this new stuff coming out about it's all about us. Right. Um, and so how do we push each other up and reach this kind of standard of good, right? Uh, instead of the standard of health. And so it's like, okay, so what are you really working towards? And so then that's what we're saying. So you guys are saying like the idea within Christian counseling of you do have this standard now, how do you, so just pushing into that a little bit more, the mm-hmm. idea of having a standard of health, uh, yes, we have the standard of Christ-likeness. How does that mesh with the idea of health? Right. And I think, I think we can, we can look at the, the Bible, we can understand what God has designed us to be. And in a secular view, you might have the mental, the emotional and the physical health. And those are the things that you're working on. And that's what you're essentially being diagnosed by your counselor Mm -hmm. through those things. But without the spiritual element, you're actually not diving deep enough into the the very crux of who we are as human beings. Right. Right. And that's a deeper level. That's it's not easy to, to put into words exactly what that looks like. And I think that is very individual especially for a client coming to a counselor with what, what issues they've faced. But when, when someone comes with abuse and you can go and you can say, that's not the design God had for your life. Now God actually fulfills that role that you're missing mm. and, and can fill that place in your heart. That's a different thing mm. than, right. than a non, than, than not having, you know, that, that piece or that component just as a clinical counselor. Cause it's so easy then just to diagnose issues and i think our culture has gone that route where it's just everything becomes a diagnosis and it doesn't just get it doesn't get replaced it doesn't get redeemed you know you just get diagnosed and then you're moved on and now you're on more medication Medication, or whatever it is prescriptions for things right yeah and and if you fail that's on you now too Mm. right if you're not if you're not physically if you can't keep up with the regimented schedule of, of being physically fit which will help your emotional and your mental health. Totally. Well, then that's on you. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, I, I know what you're driving at. I think there's a, another idea behind that is like, because what you're saying is behind a lot of what we experience and the issues that we experience are, is something deeper, right? Right. It's like, it's something spiritual. Mm-hmm. And I think clinical counseling in a lot of ways it starts to get there mm-hmm. and it'll go from behavioral. And so there's cognitive behavioral therapy, which just looks at modification of behavior. Right. right? It's like, just stop doing that. Yeah. Do this instead. 
but then you have like emotional, more emotional therapies where you're, you're going one step back and going, mm-hmm. well, the actions you're doing are because of an, uh, of an emotion, right? You're feeling a certain way. Right. And then I think Christian counselors actually go one or two steps farther and go mm-hmm. what you experience and what you're doing and the problems that you have are sin issues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it gives you another origin for what you're actually experiencing. Like I know uh, one pastor, um, who, when he does marriage counseling, he always looks at the marriage through this lens of sin. Right. And he says, your issue isn't communication. Mm-hmm. There's a deeper issue in that. Under that, yeah. And he drives that. Yeah. And he's pushing right. into that. Group. Right. No, 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 no. Communication, it's a symptom. That's the thing. And he just kind of pushes into whatever that is. Right. right. It's like, well, you actually have these deeper issues going on where you believe things about God mm-hmm. or yourself or whatever that's about identity. Or, yeah. You know, Ultimately. it's like things like that. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what Christian counseling might actually have uh, over secular counseling. Right. Because it can actually go a little bit deeper. Yeah. And to get away from the superficial kind of, it's all about you. Yeah. Find your truth. It's like the... Um, Oh shoot! Is it the Tylenol commercials, where it's like get back to your normal, whatever your normal is? Yeah. Is it Tylenol? Yeah. Or makes, something? It's yeah. one of those painkillers. Yeah. It's like that. Right. right. It's like secular counseling is kind of like get back to your normal, whatever your normal is. Whatever that should be for you. Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it can become that at least. Maybe not always. No, but again, but it is it, this set ideal is set by that counselor specifically, yeah. which yeah. is I I find it difficult place to be in not only not only for the client himself but but also for the counselor like a christian counselor comes in and has the weight of god behind them yeah to to rely on to fall back on yeah where in a in a clinical position a non-christian position you really only have your knowledge and so if you cannot click with a client that's sort of the end of it Hmm. because Hmm. you you don't have a spiritual component you don't have a you know, like a brotherhood under Christ, a, a family of God component that really would aid, in my opinion, in the whole relational side of it, the trust, which is massive between mm-hmm. client and, and counselor. Um, if you only have your knowledge to rely on and your self, then, then there's much more of a weight that when you don't know what to do, you have, you have nothing to fall back on, really. You you can't just right. It's like there's no stats on this, right? Like I'm sorry, I can't help you. Maybe maybe my you know my coworker can. Yeah. But I'm at a loss with you. Right. And I don't know. That just yeah, sounds like a very difficult point. place to be found in. <laughs> yeah. Especially when that's your profession. Yeah. yeah. To kind of speak into that, um, I actually have a a family member who um, had there was a separation with her parents and. Um, she had baggage from that and she wasn't a Christian. So she went and got counseling and her mom, who wasn't a Christian, referred her to a secular counselor and they had, uh, she went through a couple sessions with, with him. And, um, I don't know all the details of what was discussed, but ultimately she was left frustrated because there was just a lack of, like she was struggling with like the meaning to her life. And what, like, what is the purpose of where she is in light of everything that's happened in the past? And like, how does this all relate to where I'm going in my future? And the, you know, the typical response was, well, it's within you to find that out. Hmm. And it was, it was kind of a hopeless feeling for her. So she ended up stopping and, um, 
uh, my wife was actually able to recommend that she go to a Christian counselor. And through that whole process and a ton of other things in her life, she actually became a Christian by the end, by mm -hmm. the end of her uh, counseling. But it was just different because the, the counselor actually had a specific thing, a specific category for the hurts that she had felt, yeah. sin, right? right? And then something that actually stepped into that sin mm. to make sense of that sin right. and then w was able to direct her to a place of healing and forgiveness mm -hmm. and which then provided more meaning to her current life and gave her meaning for her eternal life, essentially. Right. So there was actually like a, I just feel like if I was a secular counselor, there would just be a lack of knowledge of knowing what's right for a person. Because there is kind of like an objective standard as a Christian of this is what's like, we believe this is what's best for you. Right. And because of that, we have a standard to then move someone through. Mm -hmm. Whereas I feel like if you weren't, if you didn't have that standard, it's just, yeah. there's just so much more gray. Yeah. Right. And then it's really, there's a huge variation between different counselors' preferences or backgrounds. There's a huge variation based on who you are as a person. Yeah. Not to say that it still can't be helpful because I think, and the book really addresses this, that like um, Christian counselors, they shouldn't just use the Bible as like their source text. Right. They should also be using clinical research and, and mm -hmm. tools and techniques that have been de developed um, sure. to help address these problems. So it's not that they're not helpful. It's just that at their core, there's just a critical piece lacking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. It's interesting. Yeah, and it makes me think of the the spiritual component even more of like like we're all spiritual beings. Mm -hmm. And so how does a secular counselor address that? Right. Mm. Because everyone has we believe that everyone has a fundamental longing right for the spiritual, for the supernatural. Right. And so if you're a completely secular humanist, I'd be curious to know how they come at that. Right. It's difficult. I I think, you know, it would be difficult to be a Buddhist counselor to counsel a Jewish man. Or, yeah. or you know what I mean, right? Like, and to leave that 100% out of it. You, they they you, talk about leaving your presuppositions at the door. Yeah, kind of and you'd have to leave that at the door, but yeah. how possible really is that? Yeah, right. well, because it's your worldview. It's, it's everything. It informs yeah. the and, and, you and not people. only that, but like we're talking about expectations, if you're going for counseling for hopes of getting better, yeah. you, you have some sort of idea of where you want to be at. Yeah. And that's going to be relative then. Mm-hmm between counselor and client, which is a very difficult place to be at. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, so moving kind of within that, we're talking about this idea of, you know, what's the standard? How do we, what are we moving towards? How do we get people on this trajectory towards quote unquote health? Mm -hmm. How we define that? And then so within the Christian worldview, we have that right. and we have uh, wisdom that's not our own. And it's not human wisdom, but it's actually wisdom from God saying, mm -hmm. this is how you're wired. This is how you best, or this is how you flourish and all that kind of stuff. And so then Christian counselors are in some way or another trying to help people mm -hmm. move into alignment with that. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think uh, it's a natural progression to the question of what's the goal mm -hmm. uh, of both secular counseling and Christian counseling. Um, and I don't know how much more there is to explore there. And if there's yeah. that much, maybe we just move right into the idea of pastoral counseling and then the role of a pastor versus a clinical Christian right. counselor. Right. Um, so you know, just flipping back a little bit. Yeah, there, sure. I, I, I do, I do think there is a goal. I think the, the difference between a clinical counselor and Christian counselor, counselor, the, the clinical counselor, the goal is to find a, a, a diagnosis essentially. 
Right. Right? Like, this is your problem in your life that mm-hmm. you're facing. This is how we can help you get out of it. If you cannot do that in your own strength, then these are the aids, you know, whatever that looks like. Right. Like, you know, exercise will help you or this antidepressant will help you or whatever yeah. that looks like. And there's modules just to follow and it you, you fit someone into a formula and you find what will be their solution. Mm-hmm. And that's great. But the difference is with Christian counseling, your your goal is for them to know God yeah. and know their place in eternity. Yeah. That's really it. Mm. Because if we can understand that and grasp that as humans and, and, and want to actually dwell as the beings that God intended us to be in relationship with him as he intended that to look like, mm-hmm. well, then we're going to seek healing in the right ways. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it, it's, it's, it's beyond the four walls of your counseling session. For sure. Right? Yeah. Much beyond that. Yeah. And, and it's more just getting their soul aligned with where it needs to be aligned. Yeah. I don't know if yeah, that yeah. makes sense. I, no, I think you're right. I think that's been what you were kind of touching on is the idea of like the person you're talking about that went and did Christian counseling after doing just kind of some other kind of secular yeah. counseling. And uh, what stood out to me in that is the, the concept of story mm-hmm. is that your what you're experiencing, which is like sin and just the brokenness of the world gets put into a story yeah. that has a basis somewhere. Yeah, and I good. think that aspect is really healing. Yeah. And so Christians, we have a natural advantage in that because we have a narrative, we have right. a story. And I think people try to create those in other worldviews and things like that. But I think that's an aspect of what you're saying too. Is right. Of, yeah, you're trying to open people's minds up to this bigger narrative and this bigger reality. So they can see their place in it. Right. And then from there they can work. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. Um, But what about, what about, uh, I was saying before we started, I think the idea of modalities of psychology Mm -hmm. and stuff. Mm -hmm. What's the balance then for a Christian counselor? Yeah. Who's a trained clinical Christian counselor between learning these different modalities of how do you deal with people and psychology and all that, balancing that with the idea of like the work of the spirit yeah absolutely and all of that and so this is what i was saying Mm -hmm. before of like how much do we do or maybe not us because we're looking at this from a pastoral sense but as christian counselors how much do we do with the wisdom that's around us yeah that has been helpful and that Mm -hmm. is helpful versus how much do we depend on the spirit to actually do right right do you know what i mean yeah absolutely (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. i think like as far as uh christian counselors like learning about approaches and techniques to counseling. Like I think learn as much as you can Yeah. take on as much as you can from the filter and the worldview that you have. Right. And I think that's the critical, that's the critical element is like you just, you're, Mm -hmm. you're starting in a place of, you know, your fundamental beliefs in God and, and, you know, and that shapes your whole worldview. Totally. It's the same way that, you know, a Christian scientist would work or a mathematician yeah, or anyone. It's just you're coming from this position of uh, creator, you know, loving God. And then that directs your whole mm. outlook and view of reality around you. So mm-hmm. I would say, like, I don't think there's anything that they should, you know, be afraid of learning about. Yeah. Um, but it's more just learning how to filter it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. That's yeah, really good. I like that. Right. Um, 
So then if we go another step down, I think that's really good. Just looking at counseling that way and how do we navigate all of that. Uh, but then for us, the reality is, you know, Ben, you were saying before we started, like, we're probably not going to become trained clinical counselors. Mm-hmm. We're moving into this pastoral track. And so then if we look another layer into this, what's the role of the pastor right. in counseling? Or what's, yeah, how do we do pastoral counseling versus clinical counseling? Right. What's, what's our aim? What's our goal? What are we moving people towards? Uh, Luke, you were kind of saying before, like, this idea of creating space for God to work. Mm-hmm. I think is huge within pastoral counseling, but in what way? Yeah, and I wonder if if we if we separate the theology, or if we if we address that there's theology in counseling. Mm. In Christian counseling, we don't negate theology, yeah. but as a pastoral counselor, your goal is for people to first and foremost turn to the Bible themselves. Right. You want your flock to know their know their father. Yeah. And um, so so I do think that the angle you would take and the approach you would take would much more be a biblical approach constantly sure. as a pastoral counselor. Yeah. And um, just just wanting wanting people to to genuinely see the gospel yeah. happening and, and and the example of Christ through yourself, but yeah and the transformation that can happen through that. For sure. For themselves. Yeah, I think that's a much more prominent aspect of the pastor, mm. specifically. Right. Yeah. I'm, Nate, you had <laughs> mentioned before. There's a table on page seventy-two. There, the yeah, book yeah. kind of outlines where, at what point, a pastor should probably start to defer to a actual counselor. I can just read off a couple of them. Yeah, sure. And do. so, like the trend that, well, I'll read them off and then I'll say what I think about it. So there's okay. things like doubt. These are things that a pastor should be able to handle. Right. Things like doubt, failure, faith, fear, forgiveness, God's promises, prayer, pride, relationships, mm-hmm. spiritual growth, teen sex, temptations, trust, women's issues, worry, discouragement, depression. And then stuff that uh, is best referred to an expert Christian counselor, ideally. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that we should probably talk about too. Mm-hmm. Things like divorce, drug abuse, eating disorders, gambling addictions, mm-hmm. mental illness, uh, homosexuality, sex addiction, sexual abuse, sexual dysfunction, spiritual warfare, yeah. spousal abuse. I think the, the big difference between the two, and I wouldn't say that this is always the case, mm-hmm. but the initial ones, so the things that I think were within the pastor's scope, is there hasn't been a significant permanent hurt that's already pre-existing. Mm-hmm. So like you're dealing with marriage problems opposed to divorce. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. So it's, I wouldn't say it's always true. Yeah. But I would say if you're going to kind of broad stroke it. Yeah. Uh, it would be a pastor is dealing more with the heart issues before they become or while they're in the process of becoming more like addictions, drug abuse, and things like that. Once you kind of cross that line, if you've been taking steps or you're leading a lifestyle that is that way, Mm -hmm. the damage that's caused from the consequences of those sins then needs to be addressed uh, by a professional. Right. So the, so the pastor is responsible for the upkeep of the, of the people in his, in his flock constantly. Yeah. Like when they, you know, they should be coming more regularly to him. Right. And, and that's maybe shorter sessions or just, you know, not even formal as right. much, mm-hmm. but just to come to him for, Hey, I'm, 
this is a problem in my life and I, I know it and I'm convicted of it. You know, can you help me through it? Or can you pray with me? Yeah. These sorts of things. Yeah. It's kind of like taking, uh, this might be a horrible example, but it's kind of like taking your car to a Mr. Lube for an oil change versus your mechanic for a blown transmission. Right. Right. They're both working on the same thing. They're both working on your vehicle, but they are addressing it in one's taking more like preventative maintenance Mm -hmm. and uh, addressing small issues. And the other one is, you know, doing total overhaols. Yeah. I have to be no, a, it's good. Yeah, I think it works. It works. Yeah. I don't know if I'd drag it out too far, but yeah, <laughs> it works. No, for what you said, it's good. Yeah, I think that totally makes sense. Um, and one of the other assignments that I think we all have, yeah, that we all have to do this month is on like pastoral care and counseling with mm-hmm. and pastor things like that. So I've been thinking about that a little bit too. Um, and one of the concepts and the ideas within that I think is important, and we're kind of moving in that direction as we talk about this. But one of the things that always sticks out to me is that. Um, the role of a pastor within pastoral care or counseling um, is the validation of someone's humanity. So what I mean is that you are entering in with empathy and the things that this book talks about mm-hmm. and understanding crisis and all that. You are entering in with someone to experience what they're experiencing and to say, yes, what you are experiencing is real. It's legit. It's yeah. legit. Yeah. Like you are sad and that's no, like that's a normal human thing. Right. You're not abnormal. This is real. Mm-hmm. And to enter into that with that person, um, and then to experience. Uh, the book talks about that idea. Uh, where did it go? Being in, being for, and being with. Mm-hmm. I think that's huge as a pastor. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a pastor, is that you're entering into that with someone to to be there for them and with them in it. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, right. Which then means, and uh, we'll probably jump to referring in a second here, but the idea of referring is that you don't actually push them off, mm-hmm. that you're still right. meeting with them. Yeah, right. Yeah. Because you still have a role to fulfill. Yeah. You yeah. just can't do the extra bit. Right, right. Um, and that's where the book talks about spiritual direction too, a little bit, is that, mm-hmm. you know, as pastors and even counselors, there's that aspect of spiritual direction is you're trying to see, help someone see their place in the narrative and, in, and their identity and their place in relation to. A loving heavenly father right uh and all of that kind of stuff. yeah right, right. I, yeah. I think that's so important as pastors yeah. heavy on the theology heavy on the spiritual aspect of, of where they stand in life and, yeah and what that looks like yeah and you're trying to always make that connection uh, yeah i agree it's like yes the pain and suffering you're experiencing i can't explain it and i can't make it go away but i can place it within the narrative mm-hmm and I can say that God actually cares about you yeah. and your suffering and has experienced it like you and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, for I think sure. All that's really big. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any other thoughts on like the idea of pastoral counseling and care? Um, what we're doing? What's it supposed to be like? Stuff like that. Yeah, I guess, I guess it just draws the point that a pastoral counselor or just pastoral care in general, I guess, is more based on the just characteristics. Yeah that amplify even, even Christ or God yeah. through, you know, like, and that, that should be our goal is, is very prayerfully approaching those mm-hmm. situations and, and the people that we get, um, the privilege really to walk through hardship with. Yeah. Um, and, and trying ourselves, I guess that should be our goal. It's really just how do we show them how God sees them? 
yeah. and, and, and really, you know, and really yeah. show them God's love through us. And, and yes, right. Yes. That's huge. And that's such a beautiful thing to be a part of really. Yeah. Um, but that's different that the pastoral counselor is quite different than mm-hmm. it, it really is quite different than, than, uh, just sitting in a chair and, and let's open my, you know, and I'm writing notes on you and let's just start talking about you. Right. It's a very, it's a very, um, more embraced yeah. way of doing counseling. Yeah. And I think that's where you end up, where you, you pull that idea of like the spirit led aspect of things right. too, is for, I think, pastoral care. That's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're trying to be present with that person in the moment, mm-hmm. but then also aware of what the spirit's doing. Yeah, in absolutely. Moment, both in you and in that person and in the room. And being obedient to kind of those promptings and mm-hmm. things like that and being open to it, uh, I think is really important too. Yeah. Okay, so I just want to jump uh, to another question that uh, I really wanted to talk about because I think it's really important in the cultural climate that we're in of Me Too and all that kind of stuff is how do we as, as male pastors, mm-hmm. uh, how do we feel about counseling people of the opposite sex? How do you do that? Do you do that? Um, and how do you set the boundaries around that so that we can remain above reproach, like the Bible says? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and not put yourself in a bad situation where something happens or someone says something happens. Mm-hmm. So. Right. And I, I don't think that's something to be feared by any means. But I do think, you know, we have wisdom and we have <laughs> logic to, to, to deal with this kind of stuff. Like, yeah. like from a man dealing with, with a woman... Um, I, I don't see necessarily a problem if then you, you do it in the right setting. So say yeah. not in a room with a closed door behind you, but in a public place, right? You know what I'm saying? Or, or if yeah. they're comfortable with having someone come alongside with them or even another pastor coming alongside with your end. Yeah. Um, if that's, you know, but, but being very open with them yeah. is not a problem to, to say, Hey, like I would be honored to uh, facilitate this and, and just to be part of this journey with you. Yeah. What's comfortable, like what's your comfort, you know, and, and what does that look like for you? And, and how can I make that good for you so that we can go forward together? Um, yeah. And, and, and how can I protect myself then also mm. um, being very open with other staff or, or people around to get wisdom yeah. And not just do these things on your own, obviously, but, yeah. but really address, you know, and, and, and even try to know that person better from the outside before you meet with them to know what might be wise with them specifically. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. yeah I, I think that it's something that, um, is really, really difficult to determine, mm-hmm. but I think it's really, really critical that you do. Yeah. And you have, um, very like rigid and specific guardrails that you've set up mm-hmm. so that, because I think so many pastors um, that get caught up in a scandal of some kind, mm-hmm. they're always, I would say 95% of the time they're doing it with good intentions yeah. and then their intentions kind of get the better of them. Yeah. Um, and so often you look at it and you're like, well, why would you even ever put yourself in that situation? Yeah. But it's just been this natural progression of like this right. little thing leads to something else. So I do think that there needs yeah. to be kind of a hard and fast point that may at times seem extreme. Yep. Um, but I think 
ultimately, and you know what, it may even cause some hurt and some harm to some people. Yeah. Right. It may result in some unequal treatment because mm -hmm. you can offer more counseling to a guy than you could to uh, someone of the opposite sex. Yeah. Right. Um, but I think the fallout of not having those boundaries in place yeah. um, is far worse. Right. So I would say like, it's something that, you know, you at your church would have to determine what that exact limit is. Yeah. Um, like my opinion right now would be, it should be done with extreme caution. Yeah. I would say for me, I would never do it without my wife being present mm. or another female being present, like a female mm -hmm. staff member or something like that. I just think it's, yeah. uh, or if like the, per, if the, uh, if it's like a marriage thing, I would have no problem counseling a couple uh, with both yeah. present, yeah. right? Yeah, but it's that idea yeah. of a one-on-one -on -one counseling session, like the uh, counselor can be looked at as the savior or like that they've helped me so much and then they can create all of these emotions and feelings mm -hmm. and stuff. And I think that they need to be, like that needs to be recognized. Yeah. Yeah. And I think saying that, no, I would never let that happen. is just a weak, uh, yeah. a weak tactic. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. What do you think about... Uh, like the village office, all the offices are glass yeah. walls. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the pastors have meetings with people one on one all the time. Yeah. And it's like it's open. Yeah. Right. Uh, does that change it? Does that make it better? Like you know, then you're kind of saying like you'd always want someone in the room. Would that still apply if you're kind of in like an open room where it's like there's people walking past and you can see and well, all that kind of stuff? Yeah. So like I would think it would depend in the in the context of what the relationship is. So like a working relationship is different from a counseling relationship. Yeah, I'm talking just right? counseling. So just counseling. So I think the glass offices help. Yeah. Um, I think that, though, other considerations should be taken into account, too. Mm -hmm. Like, if, if you're a 65, 70-year-old man counseling a 16-year-old or 18-year-old girl, yeah. maybe that's okay. Maybe it's not. Maybe it actually should be more extreme. I don't know. Like I said, it's something that your church has to decide. I don't know if glass walls are enough. Yeah. Mm -hmm. especially when people are looking for problems mm -hmm. and the target can so easily be thrown on a church. Like it can so easily, yeah. and it does so much damage. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, yeah, it may result in some people not getting fair care or fair treatment, but I don't, I think the alternative, like the, the pros and cons of both, like I think they just, uh, just, yeah. I don't know. And that's just my opinion. I haven't been working in a church. Yeah. yeah right. Fair. Like, yeah. so that's my opinion right now. And I would be open to yeah. changing it, but yeah, that's where I stand. I would think. Yeah, for sure. I don't, I don't think wisdom ever errs on the side of reckless. Yeah. If you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. it's always on the side of for caution. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and even with glass, like, I wonder how much emotional, you know, these, these yeah, that's, issues that's come the, yeah. from emotion. Yeah. Which, which is only built on like the way you present your words or eye contact. Even. Yeah. All of that can become such, uh, you know, that, yeah. that spirals into things that are way, way more difficult to deal with quickly. Yeah. yeah. And we're not foolproof, perfect no. human beings. No. Well, and, think... uh, sorry. Go ahead. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just don't think it, like you're saying, it's just never worth the risk. Yeah. Um, yeah, so caution and wisdom and, and even prayerful consideration every time. And, yeah. and never give that up would be so important. Yeah.
What so do you think, Dane? Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. What you guys are saying. Um, I've always had people telling me like figure out your boundaries around that stuff just in general in ministry because mm-hmm. there's so many opportunities where that like, stuff can happen or even if it's just with staff members right. or whatever, yeah. right? It's just like okay, so what are your boundaries with who you'll be with and who you won't and what scenarios and all mm-hmm. that. So then I think that just gets exacerbated when you go into counseling sessions oh, totally, because totally. the emotions are higher, the intimacy just shoots through the roof. Um, because if you think of like like the advice that I often give people that are dating um, is be careful about emotional intimacy. Mm-hmm. Be careful how much you're sharing and how close you're getting emotionally. Right. Because that can enhance this connection. Right. It feels like because there isn't an intimate emotional connection mm-hmm. that happens when you share deep things, yeah. painful things, and you go through that together or work through them. Right. Um, and so I think yeah, Luke and you guys are saying about being aware of that stuff. So what's what's progressing? What's the relationship looking like in the middle of that? counseling mm-hmm. session as this person begins to share these things are you starting to notice mm-hmm. they're looking at you different or just that there's a different vibe yeah. in the room yeah. and just being aware of those things yeah and i think being smart enough and wise enough to at the end of that session um and just be frank and just say hey yeah. you know what i don't know if i'm the best suited right. to help you through this yeah let me refer you to a, a woman yeah. who can actually better help you through this yeah so I just don't know if I have faith in the person to actually do that. What? Have faith in which person? The pastor to actually do oh, that. Oh, totally. I'm just saying your personal. Yeah, role. but this is on yeah, you. I'm yeah. saying like, what is your rule? What's my rule with Luke? Like, I would say my rule right now would be I would never be in a counseling situation one-on-one with, a, uh, with a, someone of the opposite one-on-one. sex. Yeah. I think I would I'm, do it with another person present. Yeah. I would do it with my wife present. That's the ideal thing because I think yeah. that ultimately shuts down any kind of intimacy that could happen, mm-hmm. right? Like sexual intimacy yeah. when like your wife's sitting right there, right? Yeah. Um, like I would say that's the ideal. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think yes, that's the ideal. But then there's going to be these scenarios where it's like that's not possible. Mm-hmm. And How do you do? Especially that, if you then? think in a small church or something. It's like we're at village. There's like. 10 counselors yeah, and a bunch of them are lay counselors. Yes. But you have options, right. but I'm like, most pastors don't have that. Mm-hmm. It's just, mm-hmm. you're the pastor. Yeah. You do all the counseling. Yeah. So women, right. men, children. So then do you refer to a not, you know, maybe not okay counselor. That's a woman just because she's a woman. Yeah. You yeah. know, how do you do it? Yeah. And I think it does come down to like setting just your setting and yeah. And, um, just being aware. I guess so. What's going on. And what are the issues? Like, are right. you getting to like deep sexual issues? Then it's like, right. that's probably not. Right. And, and, you should go and, and maybe this really just leads to having a network. You yeah. know, like the church has to be connected yeah. further than the church yeah. in Christian circles where you can refer to a, a great Christian lady yeah. that could help you out here. It also really like ties in. Sure. Yeah. Like, it also really ties into like that idea of, of preparing for those situations, yeah, you know, like not waiting for there to be a problem like, to oh, find crap. a solution, <laughs> yeah, right? Totally, yeah. Because yeah. then that's I think when you so often run into like, oh, I'll just do it this once because I really should have done this already, yeah, or I should have had a network set up, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's when I, that all of that compiles and can cause a disaster. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, it's tricky too, and it depends on how you're wired. I think, like. I kind of flip back and forth between real be between re, being really empathetic right. and also just being really logical and cognitive mm-hmm. about things. Um, but then my initial reaction always is like, like I want to like hug people. Mm-hmm. 
And I've experienced that where it's like I've been with a volunteer who just started, like like a woman who's just started bawling. Mm-hmm. She's going through life stuff. And I'm just like right. sitting with her through this thing. Yeah. And I hate it because I'm sitting there and I just feel like I just have to sit here. And I can't right. Physically, console you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's not much I can say. Hmm. And you're just kind of being present with that person. Yeah. And so... I think that's a lot that does it is a lot to just be with a person mm. um but it's just different right like it's different with, like with your wife yeah mm-hmm. where it's like they're going mm-hmm. through a tough thing you're like i don't know what to say yeah but just come here and you you know for arm yeah 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 whatever, right you and can just, just hold like, each other yeah exactly yeah so it's just different you know it's like those impulses you have mm. um but then i think really quickly before we move on from this is like that idea of just being aware the book talks about in doing counseling related to sexuality as well of just being comfortable with who you are um and having worked through a lot of those like being comfortable with your own sexuality your own Mm -hmm. urges your own uh thoughts all that kind of stuff your own background um so that you're not naive to things yeah Yeah. so you're not naive to like okay if i put myself in a room with a woman and we start talking about emotional things some guys it's like not an issue right it's like it's, it's just it doesn't do much right and so they, it's easier for them to do that yeah. and not get sucked in. Whereas other guys, it's like, nope, you should never do that. Right. Because you personally just can't handle it. Um, and it's just not, it's about being aware of that and not being naive to it, I think. Yeah, yeah. Which is huge. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's where pastors go wrong a lot of the time. We're yeah. just guys in leadership all the time. Hmm. It's like, oh yeah, it's like, I'll never do that. Yeah. Six months later, they did that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but, but that's also a lack of a... I mean, maybe that's besides the point too much, but that's a lack of like conversation between pastors and, and accountability and all of this, right? Which I think and is openness huge. with yeah. yourself, you know, like if you know your struggle might be something that's going to be a problem in a counseling session, then maybe you shouldn't be there yeah. yet yeah, or now yeah, for sure. or, or ever. About that a lot. Right. And the book addresses that, like you really have to know yourself. Mm-hmm. And just because you might be naturally very genuine, empathetic, um, relational and trustworthy, it maybe doesn't mean you're the perfect person for that job. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So then we've already talked about referring a little bit Mm -hmm. just in this context of like Mm -hmm. referring to a female counselor who's maybe better suited to do a certain job. Right. Uh, But when it comes to referring in general and, and the boundaries of pastoral counseling, when is it beyond us? When do you start referring? Uh, what what do you see kind of being some of the boundaries there or how do you tell when it's getting out of bounds? Mm-hmm. I think we kind of touched on this a little bit. Yeah. Like you, you kind of touched on that idea. Yeah. I think that, um, yeah, I think that point, that that's what it would be for me. But I think mm-hmm. the other side to that would also be like, um, you know, like you said, like village, we have, we're in a great situation where we have a ton of counselors on staff. Yeah. Um, but in other situations where you may not even have a Christian counselor in your hour radius. Right. Right. At what point would you like send someone to a not like a Christian to a non-Christian counselor in order to get help? Yeah. And I think that's an important question. Yeah that we should take into a little bit mm. because I think that's valid Yeah, is that the reality is that we may end up in pastoring churches where there aren't good Christian counselors right. around. Right. So then what? Right. Do you just stop referring and then risk messing a bunch of people yeah. up because you're yeah. like, ah, oh, I can handle this. Yeah. 
right. or do you refer to secular counselors? I think like I wasn't sure when we started this podcast. Honestly, <laughs> I wasn't. But yeah, yeah. after hearing you talk about uh, kind of the role of the pastor being, uh, what were the three things in, uh, for, in with, no. with and right in with and for is that it? Those it, three in for and with but yeah. in for and with. <laughs> yeah. I think it's that that idea that as a pastor, if you are referring someone to a Christian or non-Christian counselor, yeah. your job isn't all of a sudden done. Yeah. Right. And I would say if you're referring to uh, a secular counselor, then um, you just need to walk even closer with that person right. as they're going through mm. it. To see how they're processing things, yeah. how they're right. progressing. How they're progressing and, you know, uh, not undermining anything that they're doing, but perhaps providing the Christian perspective on it where you feel like where you're qualified to actually do so. And support. Yeah, like exactly. For someone, it's like they may come up against something in counseling where it's like, they're even questioning how does this align with my world mm -hmm. exactly. right and it's like you know you get joe schmo counselor who's like find truth within yourself right? right and then that person comes back to you and goes uh yeah i don't know about this yeah and you're like well okay and then how do you yeah yeah you do that yeah it's like you yeah. want to undermine like you said that counselor mm -hmm. but you still want to point them towards truth and that's why i think that yeah the spiritual direction stuff comes kind of back in. Yeah. Like you're still, it's still your job to do that. Yeah. You're still their pastor. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I think it's important for a pastor to recognize more, you know, when, when there's a scale where it's more pathological or it's more biological mm. now that, that these are, these are things that you're not an expert in yeah. as a pastor and theology gets you very, very far, yeah. of course. And we all believe that the Bible does get us far and that is a great measuring stick, but but these, you know, pathological or biological or sociopathic issues require someone that might have more of a model structure to work through and, and even be able then to diagnose yeah. at that point. You know, things, yeah. you know what I mean? Like yeah. even the book addresses things like self-worship or mm. pride, like serious pride or hostility or loveless truth-telling, blame-shifting divisive dogmatism these are way more serious problems yeah that that then you can walk aside alongside them on the on the faith and spiritual part of things but then refer them and know that that's a good thing to do yeah you know they need they need some clinical assistance yeah that's okay that doesn't mean you're failed no yeah yeah for sure yeah it's funny like even just as i read through this list that we were talking about before and the one mm -hmm. you're reading off of Ben, uh, you read the top ones and you're like, yeah, yeah. Like I, I get those. I could probably, you know, navigate some of those maybe with some help and, um, whatever. And then you read the bottom ones and you're like, man, I don't know what to do with any of those really. Yeah. But then the, the, for me, the reality kicks in of we're likely going to come up against all of those yeah. crazy things on the bottom. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anything from ADD and hyperactivity, alcoholism to, um, homosexuality, post-traumatic stress, psychotic right. behavior, suicide threats, sexual abuse, severe depressions. Like those are all real things that people will likely come mm -hmm. into our future offices mm -hmm. and say, and not say, but will realize yeah. that's what's going this on. This is what's, yeah, that's my struggle. And again, so then when it comes to referring, it's having that network, like you said, Luke, of like, who do I refer this person to um, mm -hmm. with sexual issues? Right. right. It's like you need someone who's skilled 
in sexual therapy mm. and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Or if it's like addiction stuff. Okay, so who do you refer to for addictions? Right. Because the counselors you then refer to are probably going to be specialized. Yeah, right. And, so and, and we'll have more time even. Yeah. You know, like yeah. you, you might not have all the time to put into one person yeah. and, and know how much you can. Yeah. Um, the other aspect of referring is I think we also have to make sure that we're really clear with the people who are coming in for counseling that we're not trained counselors. Yeah. Um, we did a seminar uh, back in January or back earlier. No, when was that? End of last year? Did like a counseling and relationship mm -hmm. seminar or whatever. And he was talking about the fact that in the States, there's a ton of uh, pastors who basically get sued for malpractice because right. they never just like they kind of were under this guise of yeah i'm a trained counselor right you know, i can do this right and they were kind of operating that way yeah and then they just messed a bunch of people up right and then the people turned around and sued them yeah and he's like course. that's not uncommon right right and so i think it's protecting ourselves from that a little bit of like mm, right. people coming in it's like hey so you know like i'm not a trained clinical counselor right but i can walk with you through this and counsel you through some things uh, but there are some areas and some yeah. things where it's like that I'm, it's not my expertise and mm -hmm. I'm not going to be helpful there. Sure. And so it's just like having that dialogue. Yeah, yeah. And letting yeah. people know. Because I think, even as I think about it, if someone comes in and it's like, oh, okay, this is actually way more severe than I thought. Um, you don't want that person to feel like they're so hopeless that you have to ship them off. Right. No, you right. you need yeah. to you need to be humble. You need to and they need to they need well. to see that you're just being humble and saying you know what I'm just not enough for that. Yeah, and that's not a problem. You're not a problem, but this would be a better option, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's neat. Yeah, for sure. No, that's good, guys. Uh, let's shift gears just a little bit on sure. that. Uh, we've been talking about the role of the pastor and. One of the things the book discusses, and I've seen this in other places as well, is the idea of uh, the presence and the character of the counselor versus yes. the yeah. uh, methodologies, the modalities, the techniques that they use, and how those two kind of intertwine. So the question being, like, how important is the presence and character of the counselor or the pastor versus the techniques and the methods that they use? Right. Uh, yeah, and then how do those come together as well? How much, yeah. how much power is in the yeah. character and presence of the, of the person doing the counseling? I'll take first crack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go for it. Okay. Um, I think that the character of the counselor is uh, like it's the core of the whole session. Right. So I think it's completely critical. Mm -hmm. It's the root. Um, I would say you could be trained in all the different techniques and systems and ways of identifying people and um it might be you know helpful to some degree but if your character is is terrible right. then i think it's just going to ultimately fall flat yeah. um on the flip side of that i think having great character is great mm -hmm. but i don't think it's enough necessarily to be helpful be helpful all the time so it's like it's one it's kind of again that idea of addressing the root first being the character of the counselor so then they can actually help someone else right you kind of need to have that centeredness yeah first yeah then the training and skills mm. right and then you can really help someone mm -hmm. right but if you take away any of those things then yeah they all have to kind of work together yeah mm. 
Yeah, and like I mean, in a in a Christian setting, we know that we have different gifts. Yeah. yeah. Like just understanding that fundamentally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not going to be a mathematician as much as I might want to or could strive to be. I can't. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm not. I'm yeah. not just not bent that way. I could learn it, but I'm never going to be as good as the guy next to me that was just great at that always. Yeah. You just won't. But but I have empathy naturally, or compassion, mm-hmm. or. I, I'm trusted by people and that's effortless for me. Yeah. That's not easy to teach. You know, I, I really believe like some of these characteristics of a counselor is not easy. The, you, you can't put a lot of weight in the education where, where it's just naturally you are a counselor, you yeah. know? And I think the book does talk about that quite a bit, that it's a core character trait being a counselor and it's, it is hard to teach and it's way, way, um, it's maybe a better model or a better route just to find those people that are great at that and funnel them into it. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, although, you know, there is education is so valuable and of course there's like, we should never stop learning, never stop growing, never stop striving to be better. Yeah. And that's, that's our education. Mm. But, but I really do think, for a counselor, it's it's just a natural um, gifting. It's a real real gifting, a, a spiritual gift, even. Yeah, yeah, that's the that's interesting. Like, so how much of that can be learned, though? Like, and, and, yeah, and I do think it can, but but you know, it's it might be it might be equal. Like I like I said, I can't be a mathematician. Right. I just can't. I yeah. don't get it. There's like a natural disposition. Yeah, there sort like, of is. And and play yeah. to it though, and that's not a yeah. bad thing. Yeah. You know, it's not that's not saying like Yeah, that's just that's not a bad thing, but know your strengths and know your giftings mm-hmm. and, and play to that strength. Or yeah. play play to that. Yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's is a tough question. I don't think you can put too much weight on education or too much weight on the natural bend of a person. Yeah. Uh, there is a balance, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, this was a newer concept to me. I read it in this book, but I've also read it in another one. Um, there's a, a Jewish family therapist, his name's Edwin Friedman, mm-hmm. uh, writes a book called A Failure of Nerve, which is a leadership book. And he's talking about how you can actually lead, but he pulls in um, family like systems therapy and stuff like that because that's his background. Um, and he talks about the idea of like a non-anxious presence right? and how there's so much power in the presence of a leader. Hmm. And so he would actually, uh, when he would work with families, um, he would sit down, let's say you have a family of four or something, right? So it's like you have mom, you have dad, you've got a nine-year-old boy and you've got a 14-year-old girl. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hypothetical situation. He sits down with his family and it's just nuts. This family's chaotic, like... They're not getting along. It's just kind of crazy, high anxiety, high stress, um, just not going well. And so he's sitting down with his whole family to help them. What he'll actually do is he'll determine of the four, which one is the least anxious. And then he'll Mm -hmm. focus on that person Mm -hmm. and help them to be the catalyst for the rest of the family. So he'll focus on the 14-year-old girl if she's the least anxious. Right. Because working with her has the power to change the dynamic of the whole family. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. Yeah, it's a bizarre idea. Yeah. Uh, and in a leadership setting, it's fascinating because it means that you as a leader have a lot of power just in who you are and the way you carry yourself and the way you interact and by being this non-anxious presence. Um, but then I think of that in terms of counseling. 
and this book made me think of it again, is like, if you come in as the counselor with that non-anxious presence, you can actually kind of, uh, the other person can absorb some of that. Yeah. And I think that's like, if you guys have ever done counseling before, mm -hmm. when you share things and you're, and to you, this is like this huge thing and you're like, oh my gosh, I've never told anyone before. And it's just, and you throw it out there and the counselor just is chill. They mm -hmm. don't react. Right. And you're like, oh, okay. This isn't a huge deal. Mm -hmm. We can talk about this. And you've already affected change by being the counselor in that scenario. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I've never thought of that idea until like the last year. And it, I'm like, man, there's so much weight in that. Yeah. And then if you add in the methods and the technology, uh, the, yeah, the, right. the techniques, right. It's like, now you're, I was going to say powerful, but that sounds weird. Um, but you're, yeah, well, you're, effective. you're well equipped and yeah. you're effective, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think it has the adverse effect as well, is that you can totally be horrible at counseling simply by your disposition. Mm -hmm. And it, like you said, Luke, you got to know that. Mm -hmm. You got to just yeah. know, I'm not suited for counseling. Yeah. Like, I should just not be in those settings with people. Yeah. Right. Um, maybe you're more gifted to teach or to do right. something else, and counseling is just not your jam. Yeah, and I, and I don't, I'm not trying to say that God can't use you as a counselor. For sure. If he wants to. Yeah. He will, and that will be obvious, but that's, yeah, that's the, you know, the rare occasion yeah. in a sense. And that's the, yeah, that's just a different situation. I'm not saying that cannot happen, but in general, we are bent and we have gifts and we're all different. And that's the beauty of the church. And I think we have to just know that and, and use it wisely. Yeah, for sure. Any last thoughts on that whole idea? Uh, presence and character of a counselor. We'll move on from that one yeah we can go on let's get going okay so when we look at the way our churches establish uh pastoral care counseling and things like that um there was a quote from the book that kind of stood out to me and i wanted to just discuss it and determine whether or not this is actually true and then if it is true what do we do about it so this is what it says uh they wrote in the book we rely too much on the preaching and teaching ministries of our pastors we are far too cognitive and propositional in our approach to maturing people in Christ. We are fairly good at being the quote-unquote spiritual school, but we are failing to be the quote-unquote spiritual hospital that so many need. Discuss. Right. Yeah, and I, <laughs> I would say that that is a different, that's different than counseling. Yeah. In, in a sense, you know, like for me to have someone that needs some spiritual care, and to, to just dwell in the presence of God with them mm -hmm. and to pray with them and to, uh, to unpack their life, not in a, not in a counseling way, but, yeah. but just more as let's just, let's just see what God can do here and, and what I can help you with. in a very humble kind of approach uh, that that's different. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's a, that's a little different than a counseling setting mm -hmm. and, and, and that's okay. Yeah. But it should be acknowledged that 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 spiritual care in that sort of way mm. is maybe a different. Yeah, it it just is a different thing. I don't know. What do you think, Ben? Um. I mean, I think the ideal is that you're both. Oh, 100 percent. You know, like like ideally, that's what you strive for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think though, you know, there's a certain reality that. Um, you know, I think you're going to be constrained just to who you are as a person, as, mm -hmm. as like a church leader yeah. or 
the nature of your church and the people that you have in your congregation to be kind of one or the other. I don't know, perhaps it's like some churches lean more one way and other churches lean more the other. Mm -hmm. I would think so. Um, You know, I think, yeah, like, like I said at the beginning, ideally you'd be both. Yeah. I don't know if that's always realistic, Mm -hmm. uh, but that doesn't mean that you don't strive for it. Yeah. And I think what's important, I think the most important thing is knowing what you are and then knowing how to compensate for what you're not. Mm. So like if you're like a super, uh, you know, you're like a teacher type of person, you're not really a counselor, knowing that you need to surround yourself with counselors yeah, or a network of counselors that you can refer your congregation to. Mm. Um, or if you're more of a counselor, then you need to, you know, offset with some really solid teaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's, yeah, yeah, I think it's huge being aware of what you are or what your church is, yeah, mm-hmm. is, is pretty critical, yeah. So you don't end up in one camp like this is saying, it's like, yeah, we tend to go yeah. towards spiritual school, we want to teach people, yeah, and mm-hmm. so you get the right information. And I think this is where the whole idea of uh, be transformed by the ruining of your mind, yeah, mm-hmm. gets taken too far, um, to the point where it says where people, um, throw that around as like, you just need to know the right information Hmm. uh, and that'll transform you. And I think yes, to some extent, but then you also have guys like, um, have you heard of the book by James Smith? You are what you love. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Ever heard of that Mm -hmm. book before? Yeah. So like that one, he flips that whole idea on its head Mm -hmm. and he says, yeah, yeah, you can know stuff. Uh, But what really matters is, is what you love. Yeah. Yeah. And it's about transforming your loves. And that's where we actually get into it. Where I think that's, this idea, the spiritual hospital gets more right. into the emotions and the, that. What do you love? What do you value? Not just what do you intellectually know? Right. Right. Uh, because it's, we sure. know lots of things that we don't do. Mm-hmm. Right. Like we probably know more about the way to follow Jesus than we actually practice. Of course. Yeah. Right? yeah. And I think it's the same. Um, so then for churches and us as pastors to come in and actually be uh, helping foster that spiritual hospital and i don't know if you guys have this problem but i have this a lot where i want to fix people's problems all the time yeah so i had to learn this with my wife uh where she would have an issue and she'd just be like needing to share it and she would share some heavy thing that's going on and at work or whatever and it's heavy to her it's emotional whatever and my mind instantly just goes to oh why don't you just do that and change this sure and you're done sure yeah. And it's like, that's not what she needs. Mm-hmm. It's not helpful. Um, but I think that's this idea of spiritual school is we always want to teach and correct and instill information mm-hmm. instead of being the like wounded healers. Like Henry yeah. Nowen talks yeah. about, yeah. if you haven't read that book before, it's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But that idea of like, we're just present with people yeah we're, we're all in the same place here. exactly we're all messed up we're all broken yeah. we, all, we all have our stuff but it helps to be together yeah i didn't sure, actually right? just to relate to like what you're saying i didn't yeah. realize how uh hard it is to like have something that you want to say yeah and then choose not to say it for the benefit <laughs> of the person saying yeah until i started doing freedom session we're like oh, i'm yeah. a facilitator in freedom session okay. and like the rule is there's no crosstalk. Yeah. So like you share your story and thanks for sharing. Mm-hmm. And then you go on to the next person. Oh really? Yeah. It's like, there's no dialogue. Oh, there's no like, 
oh, you know, I had experienced the same thing and this is what I did. Yeah. No, no. it's because the idea is you're creating an environment where you're expressing your hurt. Yeah. And uh, then you're letting God kind of sit in that. Right. And you're letting that healing kind of happen um, through that, not through you just trying to fix them. Yeah. Right. It's also kind of um, when I worked in business before this. Um, if you want to instill change in people, yeah. one of the best ways to do it is to make it their idea. Right. Yes. Right. Because then they have ownership. Right. Yeah. And when they have ownership, they're more likely to enact something mm -hmm. than if you say, you know, Nate, this is what's wrong in your life. And I think you should do this. Yeah. You're way less likely to enact that mm -hmm. than if you're like, you let the person sit in it. You direct where their conversation is going through good questions and stuff and yeah. allow them to get to a point where they're going, this is what I need to do in order to fix that. They've now taken ownership of it and they're yeah. moving in that direction. Yeah, for right. sure. Yeah. 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 It's interesting to think about that. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and even just to think about welcoming advice and, and what that looks like as just a spiritual care, you know, mm -hmm. if, if someone's not asking for yeah. advice, uh, my dad always said in the game of golf in professional golf, unsolicited advice gives you two stroke penalty. Right in the, in the general in the gentleman's game of golf, that's right. just how it works. That's right, funny. because no one wants to hear your opinion, yeah, unless they're asked for it, and, and yeah. that's yeah. a very uh, yeah. We're so quick, to yeah. Want to to even just to think that we know better, yeah. yeah like the know? assumption is when someone is sharing something that, like that, that my assumption is that right. oh they're asking me for my opinion to yeah. how to help them, yeah. But that's not always true. No, yeah, absolutely. They just want someone to hear it. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and. And they might even know what they need to do. Right. Of course. And then you just piss them off because you just told them what they already know. Totally. And you're like, well, so do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's not good. Yeah. You shouldn't do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a big thing to learn. Um, it, another thing that we learned in the counseling seminar, um, and this is a, a little side thing in this, is that he said some of the best counselors in the world are the ones that most of the time just ask questions mm -hmm. they don't ever actually make statements um and they're just they're good at asking questions and they're good at listening and they're the best counselors hmm. and that for me i was like shoot yeah like that's a whole new skill of just listening well yeah and not actually having to like okay so what should i tell them to do next yeah, yeah right you're not fixing them no you're just trying In to that help way. them process mm. And that's actually the most beneficial thing. Mm -hmm. You're just helping them to air it out and yeah. repeat stuff back to them. Mm -hmm. You're paraphrasing and all that kind of yeah. stuff. And I was like, whoa, that's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Cool. Um, okay, so one, one last thing, and I think we kind of touched on this a little bit already. Um, but Ben, you had this, this question, and you brought this one in, and I liked it a lot, was uh, the idea of personal freedom being the sole desire uh, of a person and the goal of counseling. And so what's the issue with that? Um, what's the issue with personal freedom uh, and the autonomy of self being at the center of counseling, of secular counseling mostly? Right. And then what do we as Christian counselors and pastors do about that? Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Thoughts on that? Like, like what, do you, what do you do with that? And how big of a problem is that? I mean, it's like, it's a question I brought because I was, I was trying to think if like someone walked into my 
office someday and ask me like well, why can't i just be the center of my own universe right. it's like it's easy like the bible obviously says that you can't but then like the why behind okay why can't you like is it that you just were never designed to be that like you're trying to put a round peg in a square hole for example yeah like you are not capable of being the sole focus of your life yeah you can't handle that responsibility yeah um, is it that? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. What do you think? Luke? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I, I completely get what, what we're getting at. You know what I mean? So like in the book, one of the core, uh, assumptions or problems, and I think I have the page number we can read it right out of, but it's basically this idea of, um, people are like the goal of, people is like your center of yourself, non-Christians. Mm -hmm. Like you are the center of your universe. Right. So what's wrong with that? Why is that a problem? Well, I, yeah, right. Why okay. would directing people in that direction, like put it, pointing people in that direction of you are all that there is mm -hmm. and the problem or the solutions to the problems you have are actually you. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, because that's kind of what it's getting at, right? Um, and I don't know how much like I think we we've kind of established a bunch of this, um, but yeah, I think that's a fundamental issue. Is that if you're as a right. counselor saying, you just need to look with inside inside yourself and find truth and find your reality, find your normal, mm -hmm. and get there. Yeah, then you'll be fine. And I think we're just heaping burning coal. Yeah, because because yeah. oneself is actually so flawed, is what you're is what you're getting at. Like, well, because we believe that fundamentally the whole gospel is about the fact that you yeah. couldn't do it. That's yeah. right. Exactly. You needed someone yeah. outside yeah. to come yeah. in yeah. and do something for you that you could never do for yourself. Yeah. And that's where I think we get into Christian counseling and pastoral care and all that stuff, where it's like that relieves a burden. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. When we speak that into people's lives, yeah, it's like. Oh yeah, you don't think you can do it by yourself? Yeah, good. Of course, that's the whole point. Yeah, you yeah. can't do it. You know, by this yourself. is this is why you're gonna fail and fail and fail and fail if yeah. you try that tactic. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think yeah, we're we definitely have to learn to push people in a different direction, uh, and all of that. So. Yeah, which is completely countercultural, especially exactly. where we are now. Yeah. Yeah, and that, I get I get where that topic is, very relevant. Yeah. You know, because everything is about the individual. Yeah. And, and not, not only the individual, but here and now, the individual. Um, how, to, how to solve problems now, what I need now. Um, and that's just, that is a different, that is a different narrative than, than when, we can, when we can approach it with the gospel and fill them into something that's much more significant and much more lasting um, and outside of themselves. Yeah. So just kind of like spitballing. How would mm -hmm. you do it? If someone came into your office and like, I'll read the direct quote, yeah, I'll sure. decide for myself what is right and what's wrong. Whatever is right for you may not be so for me. Proponents of this view consider personal freedom to be the ultimate value and autonomous living the grand pursuit. Hence the value of individualism is radicalized, placed above all other values. You know, honestly, if, if someone was in, and this is, I'm speaking out of a Christian. Yeah. If that's a Christian coming to me into my setting or you know whatever for pastoral and that's their attitude i would say okay 
that's great. Go ahead and and let's see where that goes. You know, like First Corinthians five is the 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 guy that's sleeping with his stepmom, mm-hmm. and and Paul's advice is similar. It's go then 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 be outside of the church for a while and and live that out and have some godly grief. Mm-hmm. You know, like have some grief from God. That that like this is where that leads you, because if I I can't change your attitude, yeah. I, I I can't convince you that that's wrong. And if that's really where you're at in your life, mm-hmm. then I'm so sad and I will be praying for you, but yeah. go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think we're outside of our bounds trying to think that you can, you, you, if they're not there and they're a Christian, yeah. then they will have to figure that out. Unfortunately, and that's going to be a tough road. Right. But that's pretty common. Oh yeah. yeah. And that's, that right. was going to be my comment is I think that, yeah that kind of thinking is becoming more common. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, even when I think of like young adults and youth even, but getting into young adults and stuff like that, which mm-hmm. we are, um, that like we're very much a product of the culture. Yeah. And it seeps into the church and it seeps into Christian theology and all that, those ideas. It's, it's mm-hmm. all coming in there. And so I think it won't be that crazy to get that kind of, no, 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 where it's like, yeah. there is that, weird coming together of both Christian theology and this weird secular humanist mm-hmm. individual above all else yeah. thing where it comes together where it's like, yeah, I want to follow Jesus, but in my way, yeah, mm-hmm. which I already see. Oh like, yeah. You already see that all over the place. I, yeah. Right. I, I, I think I'm more intrigued with how a secular counselor would deal with that attitude, to be honest. Well, they would, would just be, affirm it. Yeah. It'd be affirmed. Do you think? Yeah. Well, okay, so here's yes and no. Uh, I would say yes because that's where the culture's at. Um, but more and more as I read and I study and I, I look into more of this kinds of these kinds of things, and it, you don't have to do it for very long to realize that the psychologists and the social science gurus and specialists and things like that, they're actually saying a lot of stuff that's contrary to culture. Hmm to popular culture and what we see happening in North America, whether it's gender things or whatever else. It's like the science is actually pointing in a different direction. So I'm actually, I'm curious with you, Luke, of like yeah. how, uh, how just a, a normal secular counselor would deal with that. Yeah. Because I'm not sure. I wonder how many would actually affirm it. That's my initial reaction is like, mm-hmm. yeah, they would. But I'm like, wait, would they? But, but yeah. And because if, how they can not, think that's best. Yeah. And if not, what would they What's your approach? You know what I mean? Like, how can you affirm it knowing what we know? I mean, maybe they would think differently, but knowing where you know where it leads. Like, you think of, like, the amount of, you know, uh, celebrities or people and wealthy, you know, where they've made their whole life about them. Yeah. And then they climb this mountain of success to realize there's nothing there. You know? Mm -hmm. Um, And then how many people are there? Like, how can you give advice that leads there? Yeah, or would exactly. they give advice that leads exactly. there? Yeah. You know, it's just, it's interesting to see yeah. how lost that advice becomes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like even, even just discussing it, it's, mm-hmm. if you don't have the, the spiritual component figured out, yeah. it really is a confusing system. Yeah. To, and, and yeah, it would be, I, I wonder how that would go. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Be interesting. Yeah. Guess we'll have to go do some Christian, some secular counseling at some point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah.
I guess I think that's it for our time. So thank you for doing this. this no, was this good. Is I'm great. not sure what we great. learned or what we established, yeah. but I think it was a, a good conversation. So yeah, uh, this has been good. And thank you guys for listening. Hopefully, this passes the grade. This has been an Extend Network production.